What's up, everybody? It's Lee. You guys might know me as Intuition, and you're listening to Kind of Neat. Thank you guys for tuning in again. I appreciate it, as always. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, or if you don't use iTunes, subscribe to us on Stitcher. We're on both of those. I had somebody tell me, like, oh, yeah, I didn't know that you guys put out an interview every week because I've just been going by the YouTube videos. But, yes, every single Wednesday we are going to put out a podcast, so make sure that you subscribe on iTunes. You can listen to it on your phone while you're driving in the car. Very relaxing because I have a very soothing voice. You can follow Follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. You can follow my man behind the boards, Ben Shim, at I Am Database. We're both the same on Instagram, straight slanging them filters. You can follow us as a unit on Twitter at That's Kinda Neat, youtube.com slash That's Kinda Neat for uh, all the videos that we've been doing. They've been going great. Very happy about that. And uh, of course, you can find everything wrapped into one pretty package on kindaneat.net. Today we have on a dude that I've known for a, quite a while. Uh, his name is Brick Stowell, and uh, he's a real cool dude. He is the kind of tour manager amongst many other things. He manages the whole touring department of Odd Future. Um, he's been working with them for a while, got in early right as they were like really fucking blowing up and hitting critical mass. It's a really cool story about his hustle coming down here at the age of 17, getting involved with like working with the Living Legends, working with Merce, and then just kind of like hard work paid off and now he has a great job uh working with odd future and so that's kind of the theme of this whole episode is like working hard and the harder you work the better things will happen to you and so with that i have a question from a dude named william who asks if someone were looking to approach an indie label looking to get signed what should they bring to the table should it be an already successful career sans label a fully demoed release looking to get that release put out by the label and maybe a future contract Or is there some other entirely separate angle that works better? Well, William, I appreciate the question. And I think that uh, it's a tough question to answer. I don't know the answer because I'm not signed to a label. But we can sit here and brainstorm together. Here's the thing about getting signed to an indie label. In this day and age, there's not really a need. You can do everything by yourself fairly inexpensively and probably with a lot less red tape And also like with just a lot fewer hoops to jump through. And it's just very efficient to do it on your own. When I was a young kid, when I was younger, I was in college. uh, I had a marketing class where we had to like, I went to photo school, mind you, but we had a marketing class where we had to like call and interview a business person that we looked up to. I was already trying to make music. And at the time I called up Jaybird, who is a big player in Rhymesayers. I don't know his exact title, but I just wanted to talk to him because I knew he was like kind of a shot caller at Rhymesayers and I loved Rhymesayers. So I called him and interviewed him and blah, 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 blah. And the one thing that really stuck with me, I asked him the same question. I said, how does somebody get signed to a label like Rhymesayers? And he said, you know, we're not really looking to like sign anybody that's not the homie uh, unless they've got like, you know, million dollar spit, meaning they're not really fucking with like it's on some no new friend shit. You know what I mean? Like labels aren't really looking to sign people unless like they know they're going to be giant buzzworthy artists or unless it's like the homie, you know what I mean? So I don't understand in this day and age, the point in reaching out to independent labels personally, if it's the route that you want, I can tell you that, yeah, your best bet is to be a successful artist already because labels want to fuck with people that are going to make them money. You know what I mean? Like that's the whole point of a record label is that they put out your music, And then they get a big percentage of it. And in turn, they help you with other things, whether it be getting booking agents and getting, you know, hooking up tours with other artists that are bigger than you paying for the physical copies, distributing your stuff digitally. But the thing about digital distribution is 
you can do it yourself on sites like TuneCore or CD Baby for very cheap and then no one takes any money out of your pocket because if you sign a digital distribution deal, iTunes is taking money out of your pocket first and then your digital distributor takes a little more of a cut and oftentimes these contracts that you sign, you don't realize that they're in perpetuity, which means that they're forever. If you don't have management and a lawyer looking at the contract, you could be stuck in a contract where people are taking a percentage of your record forever and there's really nothing you can do about it, you know? So what I would say, William, is like your best bet is hard work. If you want people to notice you, you don't need an independent label. All you need is whatever the music you have is and the internet. If you're working hard and you're making good music, people are going to notice you. And if people are noticing you, you'll be able to make the same money that you could on an independent record label by yourself. And I think that's kind of the theme of this whole podcast. Like I just said, is that working hard, you have to do it yourself. I don't know what kind of independent record label you're asking me about per se, like if you have one in mind, but chances are if like people aren't already fucking with you, they're not fucking with you either. If you're working hard, and people are coming to you and you all of a sudden get a like a good Twitter following, you got some YouTube videos that are cracking, people are coming to your shows, those things get noticed and then people will reach out to you. I think it's very rare nowadays. You hear stories about it sometimes, but it's very rare nowadays for someone to just send a demo into a record label and get noticed and get a call back. Like the days of that happening just don't exist anymore because of the internet. You know what I mean? The whole thing is like if a group like The Weeknd can fucking put out one song from a mysterious tweet and Drake retweets it and all of a sudden they're like the biggest R&B group in the world a few years ago. It's like labels were probably fiending over them and, and, and just salivating over that. But the point is, is that they brought that attention upon themselves. And so you need to bring attention upon yourself and then people will reach out to you. And honestly, you know, in this day and age, this is my personal opinion and I hope that no one gets offended by it, but I just don't see the point in being on an independent record label unless it's a big independent record label. And at this point, the big independent record labels are essentially, a, a lot of them have distribution deals with majors, you know what I mean? So like they work hand in hand with majors. So it's like, if you want a record deal, shoot for the fucking stars, man. Think bigger than an independent record label, like get on a major, you know what I'm saying? Like. Dudes like Macklemore, groups like Odd Future, uh, who we talk about in, in a lot in this podcast, like they're able to operate on the playing field of major labels while still putting out music that is aesthetically underground. You know what I mean? Macklemore is an underground rapper. Tyler's an underground rapper. Those guys are hugely successful. And so the point is, is like the underground aesthetic, the independent aesthetic is a popular one right now. So fuck it. Like, don't shoot for an independent label. Like, go get this money. Let's fucking be on majors. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what it's all about, man. So yeah, I don't know. Hopefully that helps. But my point is, is like, if you're just starting out and you're already thinking about looking for labels, which is a natural fucking thing to do. It's natural to get ahead of yourself and think like, oh, okay, so now I've got this music. Now I need to get on a label to like get famous. Like, it makes sense theoretically in your head. But the truth is you're getting ahead of yourself put it out on your own, get your friends to like it, get their, you know, friends and friends, get their, your friends, cousins to start talking about you have a following and then worry about being on a label. I think you only need to be on a label when the shit gets too big for you to control it yourself. You know what I mean? So hopefully that helps William. I wish you all the best. Good luck in your music making endeavors. And without further ado, let's get into the conversation with my man, Brick Stowell.
What's up, dude? What Hi. up, bro? How are yeah, we doing? Brick. Good. Good to see you. I haven't seen you in I, forever. It's been a minute, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I yeah. usually only see you now at, like, night events. <sighs> yeah, when we're really out here. Yeah. 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 But, yeah, I've known you for a while. Like, I met Long you, time now. Like, 07, I think I met you. When you were a lowly merch man. You were, the, you were peddling merch. Exactly, yeah. But that's how, you know. Yeah. That's how you start. Yeah, absolutely. And if I, you don't want to be a rapper. Yeah. Did you ever want to be a rapper? I still probably always want to be a rapper down to heart, but I know that that's not the right thing to do. Do you rap? No, I can't. I probably, no, I'm not good at it. I couldn't do it. You get drunk at freestyle? No, I'm not <laughs> that guy. I'm definitely, you know what? I pride myself. I remember like, say, working with the legends, they, were, they would always talk about like, oh yeah, I remember that fool used to be a merch guy. Yeah. And so like from early times, I was like, I never want to be the guy who works for rappers and then turns into a rapper. Right. If that right. makes sense. Yeah. Because then your, your past will never leave you. Yeah, exactly. The OGs quote unquote will always be like, oh, pfft, you're the merch guy. You're not a real I rapper. I mean, yeah. without me naming people. Yeah. Lo and behold, you are featured on my next album as a, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, first thing first, where are you from? Are you from California? Yes, I'm from California. I grew up in a place halfway across the Golden Gate Bridge called Marin County. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I grew up there in, until I was like 17, and then I moved to L.A. as soon as I graduated high school. What's Marin all about? Marin is a... That's where, is that where Alex is from too? Yeah, Alexander Spit yeah. is from Marin as well. We talked about you. you this, you've come up on the podcast a few times, which is why I've wanted to bring you in to talk. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Good. I hope good things. Yeah. Uh, well, some. No, I mean, they, they were good things. No, no, no. Some people don't like, you know, whatever. Most people don't like me, so it's fine. Yeah, it is what it is yeah. man, at the end of the day. Yeah. But no, I'm from Marin and I moved to LA when I was 17. Oh, you're asking me what Marin's all about. Yeah, Marin is Marin? like a wealthy suburb, mainly white people. There's two areas uh, that are really, it's really f not funny, but it's kind of crazy that these places still exist like that. But in a, like a rich, yuppie, hippie area right across the Golden Gate Bridge is yeah. Marin County. And then there's like two segregated areas. There's the canal and Marin City. Uh -huh. And the canal is where all the Hispanic people live. Mm. And Marin City is where all the black people live. Mm. And then in between and then past them. Is so it's like you can literally be on the wrong side of the tracks there? Total, Like legit. Like yeah. once you're in Marin City, it's, you know it's all black people. Marin yeah. City is where supposedly Tupac lived for a while when he went to Tamil Pius High School. Okay. And so like it's like kind of like never been let down that that's where Tupac's from. And mm. then like, like I said, it's, you know all black people there and yeah. then uh, a bunch of white people in between and then uh the canal which is like i said where all the hispanic people live and it's marin is a beautiful like scenic wise it's crazy gorgeous it's yeah it's beautiful dude it's Did like you do a lot of camping and shit yeah a lot of camping and like you know going on like to hit what we would call like hit cuts yeah. and like go smoke weed and like chill out and ditch school and do all that that was like good for that and yeah man i remember when i used to smoke weed and live in beautiful places we would go try to find hikes that had streams and then fill up our bongs with like stream <laughs> water, water you know yeah. it's like icy yeah, cold shit, honestly shit like that in yeah, the bay, yeah for sure no marin is perfect for that and then um what'd your folks do like where do you get your hustle from my dad is like a financial advisor mm. and then my mother is a uh which i'm gonna call it a preschool teacher oh okay my mom's a teacher too there you go, yeah. man. But my dad was not a financial advisor. So you you ever read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? I have not read that, but I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, so Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it's basically about the premise of like, if you got a fucking poor dad, he's going to teach you how to work for people. But it seems like your dad probably did. He probably taught you how to work for yourself. Yes, my dad taught me that through, to be perfectly honest with you, through sports. Yeah? Why? Yeah. What sports were you into? I was like really, really into sports growing up. Baseball? Yeah, I played baseball, but I was probably, the sport that I was into the most was football. Were you any good? I was really fucking good. Really? Yeah. What, did you, what did you play? It's, I don't like to talk about it because it sounds like, uh, like uh, whatchamacallit from, 
what's that TV show? Al Bundy. Al Bundy. It's very Al Bundy esque yeah, yeah. if you talk about sports. Yeah, so Al Bundy. Yeah, but I played football and I was uh, running back in strong safety. No shit. Yeah, but I was really good. That's that's like, I mean, like really good. Like I had like a couple scholarships from colleges. Really, but that kind of just went south after I. Why? Why did it go south? Because I was really, really passionate about getting into music. Yeah. Like, really passionate about it. But you spent your whole youth, like, just training yourself My, to be a well-oiled honestly, machine? Yes. Honestly, from eight was when I first started playing Pop Warner. Mm -hmm. And then I was, like, slaved away. What did you love about it? I don't know, dude. It was just, like, you was, like, work ethic. And, like, you, like, stayed busy. So, like, I never, like, not did. I had free time. But it was, like, I was always, like, I'm going to this. I'm yeah. going to practice. I'm going to a sports game. I'm going to, you know, a sporting event. Like, it was just, like fulfilled and you know and then like during the summer times when i was growing up i would get sent to football camps like all over the country mm -hmm. so i'd go out to like some weird junior college like these football camps called offense defense and then uh i don't know dude it was just like it was tight it was like i really enjoyed sports that's man. so crazy because you're and like now i hate because you're like so not broy. like i always mm -hmm. think of football players are like being big bros yeah no no it, it, that was a funny thing in high school was because i was in drama class yeah and i played football and everyone was like why are you in drama like everyone on the football team was like why do you take drama dude <laughs> And I was like, because uh, it's fun and cool. And yeah. then everyone in the drama class was like, why is this fool in the drama? Like, they, not that they d didn't like me because I got down with the drama kids yeah. and the jocks. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, that sense of staying busy and having a tight schedule seems to have carried over into your adult life. As I've been trying to get you on this podcast for like two months. Yes. And you're, but you're always busy and you always have something to do. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, because of my job, yeah. yes, it, it requires me to be like on the move all the time now. Right. Right. Yeah. And what is your job? Uh, I work for Odd Future or Four Strikes Management, which is ran by Chris and Kelly Clancy. And um, I basically now what it's turned into is I run like I'm like the touring department. Mm -hmm. So um, anybody Odd Future related, say Odd Future, Tyler, the creator, Mellow High, uh, Trash Talk, everybody basically except for Frank, mm -hmm. if they're going out on tour, um, well, the internet, they have another guy named Dominic Massey and, uh, but I'm, it's, I'm the tour department. So it's like preparing for shows, you know, stage production, merchandise, um, anything that goes into, do, you know, logistics, all that stuff. Are you out there on the road with them as well? Most of the exactly. Time? All the time. No all matter, the time. Like I'm the, so like the tour, guy who's on the tour road. management too, or do you have tour managers that work for you? Or there's what? like a, there's a dude named John Bogard who works for four strikes management uh -huh. as well, who helps out with like tour logistics. So John's more of a tour or our tour manager and I'm. Uh -huh. I basically would say the road manager and then documentary. Okay. What goes into your job? Do you deal a lot with booking agents? Like, are you, I, I don't know. Like tell me, no, it, okay. explain your job to the kids. Cause I, I love having the reason that I wanted you on. Cause I love having people on that are involved in music, but that aren't necessarily trying to be musicians because I want to inspire kids. You know, For sure. No, to, yeah. I mean, Hey, listen, I'll, I'll tell you this much. Okay. My job is one of those things that is very, possible for many people to get involved with you just kind of have to know how to do it right you mm -hmm. know and um i'm not like a standard tour manager or road manager because it's like i'm on stage when a when you know say odd futures playing and i'm snapping photos the whole time we'll be walking through an airport and i'm snapping photos or they're meeting different people and i'm snapping photos so my job isn't your like kind of like stock or like by the book tour manager slash road manager but that's kind of because my bosses have allowed me to create that mm -hmm. so my day-to-day -day, like stuff is like when i'm on the road is like waking up making sure the guys are up uh making sure that they like go to eat and like get their day started and then we'll go and do a show or have a day off and go on like some ill adventure because i like when we go to like random cities i want always want to make sure the guys go to places and see stuff mm -hmm. and um it like i said it's not it, it's turned into more of like what i 
a job that like honestly like I love. Mm-hmm. I'm like I'm so into it because it's like my bosses have allowed me to kind of create my own lane, mm-hmm. and they leave the. They give me a lot of like room to work. So you get to wear a lot of hats and you probably get to create some of the hats. Yeah, to- most definitely. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's like everything from like this week is like I'm not tour managing this week, but it's like this week we got to go to New York because Earl's doing Jimmy Fallon. And it's like so I'm handling that. Yeah. You know, making sure he's got it on, on one of the days before we go to do Jimmy Fallon. There's press all day. So yeah. there's interviews set starting at 8 a.m. because that's how you got to do early inter- you know interviews at radio and they go all day. To like yeah. six seven p.m. So it's just like in an SUV going from point A to point B, bouncing around. This is going to air after that airs. So what song is he going to do? You know, I have no it, idea because it won't be a spoiler. They haven't even talked about it yet. To oh, be really? honest with you, him and Questlove need to talk about that. Oh no shit! They're so, about to talk about. So that. they just like once you get to New York, they just like do a practice session with the Roots. Exactly at the at the. Uh, That's so tight. It's super tight. <laughs> the first time we did it, most Def just showed up because he was. I remember like, that. That was like a thing. And, and he like yelled swag behind you guys. Yeah, a bunch yeah, of yeah. Times. That's that was that was a wild one. But like before, it was like the Roots are like playing songs, you know, during the the interviews and stuff like that. And then the fact most Def was there, he's just like they randomly did like Umi says. Yeah. And it was just like, dude, this is so tight. What was the first one? Was it with Tyler? Tyler and, Haji? Haji. and yeah. then what was the second one? Just Tyler. And then Tyler did David Letterman recently. No shit. Yeah, I wasn't there for that one, but. That's I was great. in Marfa, what's which Mar- is my spot. What's Marfa? Or I like to call it my spot. What is that? That's like the ill art town in Texas. That, oh, okay. Um, yeah. I thought maybe it was at some exotic island or something. No, nah, so. it is kind of exotic in my opinion, but nice. it's in Texas. So you moved to LA when you're 17. What For what? To get into music, for yeah. sure. No, I didn't really know like at well, what capacity. Well, all right, so then let's slow down. What What was it that made you fall in love with music as you're working on football stuff? Uh, okay, well, my brother started taking me to concerts when I was like mad young. And the Bay Area was had a cracking scene at that point. Hyro and everything. Well, and- okay, let's, before even that, yes, yeah. fully. But yeah. before even that, I, I didn't even really get into like that like underground hip-hop until like 15 16 uh-huh. so before that my brother was taking me to like crazy just like weird rock shows or indie rock shows so that's kind of like what i i didn't come up on rap, like, like what do you remember like nirvana and oh, weezer you saw nirvana live yes i saw nirvana wow live. Tight, yes. tight. Uh, weezer green day um you know like stuff like that yeah yeah when i was growing up yeah. like my like from like eight to like 13, 14. How much older is your brother? My brother is 33, so he's seven years older than me. Is that your only sibling? No, I have two younger sisters. Okay. That are 17 and 18. Shout out. Yeah, shout out to Kennedy in Brooklyn, but homies, we don't play no games. Stay, stay away, homies. Stay away from my homies. They're, Kennedy's moving down to LA in they're like a be, week. They're becoming legal, but you must yeah, stay away. Yeah, they are legal, but stay away. <laughs> um, for oh, sure. Shit. And um, But yeah, so I was like, my brother was like taking me to like ill concerts growing up. Yeah. I was like super hyped off of those yeah. things. And um, why did your folks uh, have like, why did they take such a long space between siblings and then they had two daughters right in a row? I, You know, I have no idea, dude. My parents are kind of kooky mm. and they're like weird Bay Area yeah hippie people so mm-hmm. they just, just spread it out they just same same folks spreading out the love yeah so your brother's taking you to concerts and stuff when you're when you're a youngster yeah taking me to concerts all the time and then um say around like 15 16 i got into underground hip-hop mm-hmm. how my cousin Somebody passed you a tape. okay yeah no my cousin uh i was down in la because my my family lives down here as well like my aunt and my uncle and my cousins and stuff Mm-hmm. And my cousins went to Hamilton High. Yeah. And we were shopping on Melrose at Workman's and I was like buying some like LRG. Yeah. And Workman's was the spot. Workman's was the spot. That you was... to go get gear and CDs and I used like to graffiti dri- markers. Oh, yeah. and... I used to drive from Santa Barbara just to come buy like t shirts with graffiti on exactly. them. And stuff and exactly. Exactly. You'd go get like some triple five soul. Just look very hip hop. Yeah. yeah. So I was there buying some clothes 
I was like, I want to get some CDs as well. Mm-hmm. And he told me to buy Angels with Dirty Faces. That was one of my first Legends records too. Yeah, so I got that, and then that was that was it. Game over. That's the one that changed everything for you. That was the first one I bought. Yeah, you know what I mean. But, yeah. but then like homies were like, I'd go back and I'd like kind of like flex on that in the bay, and then like all the older homies were like. Let me put you onto some tapes. And so uh-huh. I started giving me like Hyro tapes and yeah. all that stuff. And then I figured out about Atmosphere. And then I figured out about it was basically Atmosphere and the Living Legends. Yeah, for sure. Hyro, yes. Kind of Hyro more after I started working for the Legends. I was like obsessed with I that. feel you. Like my gateway drug into the super underground hip hop was Hyro. One of my friends put me onto it when I was like 17 or 18, gave me a Hyro CD. And then from Hyro, I moved to California right after I found out about them and everybody's like, oh, you like Hyrule? Psh, you need to find out about these dudes named Living Legends. They're so <laughs> underground that like my brother would be mad at you if I or he would be mad at me if I told you about them. Exactly. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, then I must Nobody hear it. Nobody knows about yeah, them. Th- I, exactly. Which is so funny now because it's like as as a musician, I'm like, fuck, I hope I don't have fans that are going like, he's so underground. I'm not going to tell you about him. Like <laughs> fucking help out your favorite Please artist, you me. assholes. Please tell yeah, everyone about exactly. me as much as you possibly Exactly. Can. That was the funniest attitude no, the, the, in the, the attitude has changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because now I feel like there's I mean like Odd Future is technically an underground group that is fucking giant you know what I'm saying like they're they're fully fully they're an underground aesthetic group that has couldn't agree agree with you more yeah that has fully integrated into the mainstream yes you know what I mean Um, streamlined it yeah yeah so okay you get into the legends you get Get into into the legends got into atmosphere and then like once I figured out about how those like and and don't get me wrong I was still always listening to mainstream rap because I love both equally yes I do while I'm, you know, learning about underground hip hop and that culture, which was like not a very accessible culture at that time, mm-hmm. too. There was like certain websites that you would look yeah, at. Yeah, it, f- it was an elitist culture and it, and it felt like you were a part of something. Exactly. Like it really felt like you were a part of something. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, but then at the same time, I'm watching MTV the whole time. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? TRL, you know, whatever, MTV jams, whatever was on MTV, I was definitely watching it and VH1. So it was like any sort of other stuff that I had access to. I was going to do it. And you know, at that time, dude, it was like going to find magazines and CDs weren't like, oh, I'm going to blah, blah, blah. It's yeah. like, you got to go to this weird cutty store yeah. in the Bay or in Los Angeles or in wherever well, and, you're And at. then there was like that huge Napster culture too, where it was like, you you would hear about these legendary like freestyles that you could only find on Napster and right. stuff. Like, ra- you know, like radio dubs of stuff. Yes, and yes, et cetera, yes, et yes, totally. And so it was like, uh, yeah, in the early 2000s, it was, that was the equivalent of like tape collecting. Exactly. You know what I mean? Looking for the, there's like this idea versus is Eminem battle I know it exists yeah you and know, it's somewhere like, online yeah, and you gotta yeah, download it yeah exactly which I wasn't really like that hip to I didn't really know how to do all that shit but yeah, yeah. all that shit was just like there but you, it was really hard to find yeah and so yeah so I got into all that and then so here's the difference in the path that you took compared to most people I think most people are passive listeners but you heard this stuff and you like somehow said alright well now I'm gonna figure out how to get involved with it so what was that choice about? Like, how did you reach out to, to get involved initially? Literally, I moved down to L.A., mm-hmm. okay, and um, I was going to SMC, mm-hmm. and I went to SMC for like six months, and in the time that I was working at SMC, I had um, a girlfriend at the time that was going to San Diego State, and she was in L.A., and we were on Robertson, and I was, or she was shopping on Robertson, and I went into a Reebok store, which was called like the RBK store. Mm-hmm. And I got hired there. Mm-hmm. And then one day while I was at SMC, I decided to call the Living Legends booking number on their website. Mm-hmm. And it was literally like on legendarymusic.com. It said like, for booking info, call 323. Which was probably Tommy's number. 
It was Tommy. Yeah. And I didn't know that Tommy's name was Tommy. Tommy. Yeah. So it's like, yo, what's up, man? I'm Tommy. Uh, and you're like, wait, is this PSC's voice? I just don't know who. Like, I just didn't know. Who, I just thought it was Tommy. Yeah, yeah. And so he was like, uh, meet me at the conga room mm-hmm. uh, on Wilshire tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. And I was like, word. All right, tight. So then I wore my Living Legends hoodie. Went down to the conga room. Of course, you put on the hoodie. You had to. Put I had on, to. You had dude. to put on the. Le- I had to put hoodie. on the Legends hoodie. I was yeah. like, I was like, I was hyped, dude. I went to a Legends show when I was very young. Well, I was, when I was like nineteen, and I wore a high row shirt. It was like a bright orange high row shirt, and I remember Tommy like going, "Yo, man, why you wearing a why you wearing a high row shirt, shirt at a Legends <laughs> show? You supposed to wear a Legends shirt?" I said, "Man, I'm not gonna wear your own shirts at your show." Basically, the same same design too. Yeah, yeah. So um, before we go any farther, I just want to say like I think that's a great life lesson learned is like if you have a question just fucking look for it like you you said hey I, okay i want to get involved how can i do it let's go to the website and see if there's something i can call you know what i mean because like, yeah, it was very simple it was not like uh and like then i just had the balls to do it people want to get hit up you know what i'm saying like they, yeah, they, they want help and, and you know what the thing is is that like if you in my opinion was like i kind of had like an ill line to drop too i was like yo what's up i'm my name's Brick. I work at Reebok. I can lace you guys with some free gear. Mm. And that's like, and now everybody wants free gear. Everybody loves free gear. Hell yeah. No matter what they say. Yeah. And so if it's something that's like of interest to someone, you know, like all you got to do is be bold enough to ask. Exactly. I always say, uh, you know, if you want an answer, ask a question. That's all there is to there it. There you go. If you want an answer, ask a question. very literal, but very yeah. true. It's the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you meet up with Tommy at the Conga Room. P- uh, lucky I am. Lucky I am. So I'm at like, the time, PSC. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Name changing forever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, I'm standing outside. I text him. He comes outside. It's lucky. I was like, damn, this, what? He was like, yo, what's up? I'm Tommy. And I was like, damn, that's lucky I am. Yeah. You kind of fanning out a little bit? Definitely fanning out. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> fanning out. Uh, he's like, come to my car real quick. He hands me a box of flyers. Well, first we like wrapped out for a little bit, just like chatted. He asked me what I was all about. I was like, yo, come to Reebok. I'll lace you. And at the time, mind you, that was kind of like a big deal because Jay-Z had a shoe and 50 Cent had a oh, shoe. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, so Reebok, the S-Dots. The S-Dots and the uh, G6s. So that was like, you know, the ice cream program was going on. Mm. Stevie Williams had his DGK shoe that was going on at Reebok. And so that was kind of like an ill time for like rappers with like Yeah, sneakers. Reebok was cracking. Yeah, for sure. No question about it. That was it. like before the dunks really caught on, probably. Yeah, no, I mean it was just it was just a time when like they were like rappers were affiliated with sneaker companies. Yeah. Again. So um he's like, Yo, come to my car real quick. I'm gonna give you a box of flyers. If you pass all these out tonight, you have a job. And I didn't really know what that meant, but I was like, pass out a box of flyers, dude. Yeah. Come on, you gotta give me something a little bit more difficult to do. So I just banged that out. I hit the whole line, passed out all, a bunch of flyers for Living Legends Classic album. Uh-huh. And Three days later, uh, the Grouch and Lucky I Am came to the Reebok store, and I was like fanning out, yeah. freaking out. I was like, "Damn, the Grouch is about to be here! Like, <laughs> this shit's about to be epic!" Like, yeah, yeah. you know. And uh, meet those fools, bring them in, lace them so fat. Like, probably gave them like ten, twelve pairs of shoes each, a bunch of gear, got shoes for their girls, like the whole nine. Like, laced them. Like, yeah. my homie upstairs in the entertainment marketing department really just believed in me. Yeah, and then. Long story short was uh, ended up making the Living Legends a sneaker. Oh, really? Yeah. No shit. That was like really what kind of like to be perfect. Damn, so you had that kind of pool there? Uh, Yeah, I guess. Yeah. They were like the dude that was in the entertainment marketing department was a dude named Colin Brickley. Uh-huh. And he found out that my name was Brick. Yeah, where does your name come from? A play called Cat in a Hot Tin Roof oh, okay. by Tennessee Williams. What's your, do you ever tell your real name? Ever? That you know, is my real name. That's your real fucking name? Yeah, that's on my license. I'm a no birth certificate. Shit. Yeah. I thought that was like a nickname. No, no, no. That's no my, kidding. Yeah, that's my real name, dude. That's a tight ass name. 
Yeah, your, your parents really are crazy. Yeah, they're weird. I'm stoked. That's that, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna name my kid Stone. You should name him something not standard. I have. I already have an idea. Not, not off the wall, but something. Yeah, good. I'm gonna name my first son after my mom's hometown. It's Easton. Easton. Okay. Pennsylvania, yeah. You can. Which is, then there's yeah. nicknames. Yeah. East, just, yeah. Yeah. Whatever you want. Easton Edwards. So any ladies out there trying to get knocked up by your boy, our first son is gonna be named <laughs> Easton Edwards. Shane. It's already decided. There's yeah. no change. Sorry, girl. Yeah. So you you end up getting them their own fucking shoe design. Yeah. It was like a crew shoe. It was like a hundred pairs. A crew shoe. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay. So like, like for, just like just, just for, for just for the homies. No shit. Literally just for the homies. What did hundred pairs? What did it look like? It was a Reebok Club C classic. So it was like a very standard basic shoe. And it said had a like the the OG circle Living Legends logo on the tongue, and then it said Living Legends on the side, and then Classic on the back. So it was basically like an album shoe, yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so at that point, they're just like, "Damn, Brick is on. He's tight. dude." I was seven, dude. I mean, without me trying to sound like, I mean, for me, it's I, I'm, I get so energetic about yeah, it yeah. because I was so hyped at that moment. Yeah, I was like working for Reebok. Okay, like. I kind of go to school, but I don't really. So that was tight that I wasn't really in school. Yeah. And I'm working with the living legends and I just made them a sneaker. Yeah. That's and tight. it's like, I as mean, as a 17 year old, like, as a 17 year old, what the living fuck in, are you doing as a 17 year old right in Los now? Angeles. Yeah. That's tight. Who are you staying with? My brother, I lived in an apartment with my brother in North Hollywood. Okay. Lincoln, Shim, and Hesby. Did you graduate high school a little earlier? I graduated from a continuation high school. So it was like not even real high school. Why would you end up in continuation school? Because I was playing hella sports, ditching school every day. Mm. And then they kicked me out of my public high school because I was like truant all the time. I just, mm. I would just never go to class. I'd never go to class, get high all day and then show up to football practice and crush it. Really? Yeah. And uh, what did your coaches think about that? They were not into it. They were bummed. But I was like scoring like five, six touchdowns a game. And did the truancy kind of affect the scholarship offers? Is that what happened? The truancy and the smoking weed and the doing drugs definitely affected the scholarship offers mentally. Mm. Not like... Like they were still on the table, but you're like, I'm over it. Cause I, I was like, way over it. I was like, like way over like dudes wearing tight shorts and getting their ass slapped by like an old dude and like mm. jock life. And mm. like what went into like when I was going to football camps during the summer, uh, they would be at like colleges and I would see the life and the life is not tight. Yeah. The athlete life is not tight. In my opinion of what, I, what, I, like what you I'm, wanted to do. Yeah. No, it's not. Tight. Why? When did like smoking weed and drugs come into the picture? Sophomore year, high school, sophomore year, like really, really. And was it one of those things like. The first time I was high, I was like, oh, man, this is it. Like, I'm down with weed. Was that how it was for you? Yeah, down with weed, and then I got experimental. And yeah. then I, what I'm really, really grateful for is I got that shit out of my system. Yeah. And Early. You, are you clean and sober now or what? No, I smoke weed. Smoke weed? Yeah, I occasionally will have a drink if it's a special occasion. Yeah, yeah. You know, when in Rome and at the right time. Absolutely. I mean, especially with my job that's like I can get away with smoking weed because I have a lot of energy, so it calms me down. Yeah. Like when I worked for Merce, Merce, like, would be like, you have to smoke weed, bro. You got way too much ADD. Really? Like, yeah, he would be like, yo, dude, Are you smoke. ADD? I, I guess that's what it are. Did, they get, did it ever get diagnosed? Were you ever, did they no, ever try no, to put no, you on but pills? it's like, I just have like excessive energy. Yeah. Like, for no reason when I'm working. I'm just like about being a hard worker. But it's contagious. Your energy is contagious. Yeah. Did you say that? Yeah, it's like I, a, lot of, a lot of times people say that like I'm like stressful to work with or be around when I'm working, but it's like, I feel like I have to be that guy. Yeah, yeah. To be honest with you. I feel you. But if I, no one else is, then who is? Who's going to pick up like the... But the thing is about your energy, I think that it's probably helped you. I think you're a good salesman. You're great at selling yourself, but you're also great at selling people that you're down for. You know what I'm saying? And I think that that energy is what really helps that. Because like... I feel that. Just like five seconds ago when you're like, I was fucking 17. It's like you get excited about... The, I get excited about the story when you're telling it because, you know, your energy is contagious. Right. You know okay. I get that. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I guess I try to pride myself in doing things like that you yeah know, being excited about something that i'm actually passionate about yeah which is music yeah 
And I'm not even a musician, but I'm so into it. And like the culture of it is like so inspiring to me. And you're always up on shit. That's the other thing too. Uh, And I think like, well, now we're talking about like living legends, but you have to put it in perspective at the time when you were 17 and I was like a few, I was, that was probably when I was like 20 something. They were like the end all be all of the underground rap scene in LA. Uh, They were so tight. Like that, that was the biggest shit. And it was like, but at the same time, you really had to be up on shit to know about it. Dude, you know what it was like back then. Yeah. Dude. That's how I met you. You were opening up for yeah, I was the opening, Legends. I was opening for the Legends. You were opening for the Legends in Santa Barbara. And that was like a fucking huge break for me. That was an opportunity. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. And think about it. Okay. To be, think about it like that. I met you opening up for the Legends at yeah. Santa Barbara in the in the student center. Yeah. And it was huge. all I knew about you was that you were an ill photographer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Your album. Oh, your yeah. Album, the, the album, album with all the, album co- oh, with yeah, all the yeah, photos yeah. on it. Because yeah, yeah. Alex Spit had that. And I was like, dude. Oh, all right. Yeah. But it's like at that time, it was so not something that you had easy access to. Yeah. No. And you you really had to do your homework. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, you're still like up on shit because you were, I mean, like, that's how you got in the door with Odd Future is like being up on them and being like reaching out and saying, look, I just want to fucking help. Right. Yeah, that was exactly what it was. It was my homie Skeet, <laughs> which is so crazy that like to break it down, Skeet was the one that put, I remember we were in San Francisco and Skeet was like, yo, Brick, you got to check out this full Tyler. And I was like, all right. And I checked it out and I was like, these fools, they're on something. They when got you some saw the shit. French video, you knew they were on the something. French video. I was just like, damn, yeah. these fools are, you know, actually I take that back. It was VCR that I saw mm. French and VCR. And I was like, damn, this fool Tyler. I, is, I was very impressed by is VCR. Kooky well. and weird and, but and you, cool. You knew. And I, I know that I knew like something was going to happen with that. For sure. No question yeah, about yeah. it. And so at that moment, I was probably a year before that. I just started taking photos. Yeah. And I just went and went for the kill. And yeah. Because I knew that, that if I, I knew that if I made a relationship with them through my photography, it would put like it would definitely help. Yeah. Well, OK. So wait, let's we're getting ahead of ourselves because I want to okay. go. I want to go somewhat linearly. So okay. you're 17. You get a shoe for the legends. And then like they're like, damn, Brick is the man. Oh, yeah. So then what Th- happens? Then it was like when the shoe was made, I, I asked them, I asked Tommy if I could come on tour. Yeah. And so I went on a couple dates on the classic tour. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, well, I, OK, so I was working for the legends, but not really like fully working for them. I would like I went on the classic tour. Then fast forward a couple months, I went on tour with Zion I and the Grouch on the Heroes in the City of Dope tour, which was like years ago. What were you doing while you were on tour for him? Merch. Okay. Straight working merch. Was it like working on commission or did you? Yeah, did, I was working on commission. 10%. Really? It was like, yo, as, as much as you sell, you'll get as 10%. As much as you sell, you get 10%. So you had to hustle. Dude, that's all it was. Yeah. That's all it was. Yeah. Learning like the ins and outs of like getting over. I remember I went to, this is how I learned how to do this. I went to a Sage Francis show with Lucky I Am. He was like, oh, I met him at a Sage Francis show. First off, he was That like, was the conga room? No, 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 no. This was after. I, I met him at a Sage. Oh, uh, oh just, you met up with him. Yeah, I was okay. like, this was after the conga room. Tommy was like, yo, I need a pair of ice creams. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to bring, bring you a pair down to the Henry Fonda and I'll meet you there. And he was like, yeah, and then you can come to the Sage Francis show. So that was like the trade off was yeah. like <laughs> giving him some ice cream shoes. And then I'm lucky enough to go to a Sage Francis show. So then we go. Sage was selling out Henry Fonda. Yeah, now? dude. How, like that's what I'm saying. It was crazy. It's crazy times. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Crazy times. Sure. And so then go there meet Sage Francis and him and Tommy are having a conversation about like getting over on venues on merch hustles. Mm-hmm. And I'm like listening the whole time. And I'm like, damn, these fools are hella smart. Not having to pay like 30% on like, they're like, what if we only do 500 bucks? That's a big cut. 
Like when you go play the Fillmore and they take like thirty percent of your yeah, much yeah. money, you know, like for any rapper, that's a big deal. Yeah, a lot of a lot of fans don't realize that, but when you're selling T-shirts at the venue, the like they won't take percent on the CDs oftentimes, but on T-shirts you have to keep a uh, uh, track of the amount you've sold because then they take a cut of that, which is crazy. To it's me. crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a crazy concept. Yeah, yeah. And so I learned how to do like merch hustles. I learned how to do the ins and outs of like selling merch, and then. Grouch brought me on as like his assistant. What are some of the things you would do? Like what? Are, like, dude, when I, when break I, it down. We like got we got a long time. To when talk I was like, what, yeah. when I was assisting for the Grouch, dude, it was like everything, dude. Like babysitting. Like, well, I'm saying with the merch hustles. What were some of the ins and outs of the merch hustles? Like, get into detail if you can without get without like. Oh, it's like you know, like instead of like uh, you like they at venues, you know, they make you do count ins. So yeah. you you bring in an X amount, mm-hmm. but you know the whole time you're going out to your butt, your van uh, and grabbing more merch and selling it. Yeah, yeah. And you just kind of have fake numbers. You got a fake sheet with fake numbers on it, and you're like, oh, I only sold this much, and you yeah. hide, you hide a bunch of money. So if they're like, where's all your money? Yeah. Then you're yeah. like, what are you talking about, dude? I have three hundred dollars right here. This is all I sold. Right, right. You know that's. To me, like if you're an independent artist and even nowadays, if you learn, I mean, take Verbs, dude. Verbs is really, really good at that. He learned that hustle. You know what I mean? There's plenty of homies that are our age that are from like underground hip hop school that know that hustle. But it's like you can apply that to nowadays through the Internet, through Instagram, through Twitter, through all these things. And you like learn how to hustle. Did you ever hear, uh, I don't want to put any artists on blast, but I've always heard that there's like certain dudes, um, who have huge independent followings that like, rather than, um, sell it, like they'll have their merch table, but like the, the real fans know to look for the dudes that have the backpacks walking through the crowd and they'll sell hand to hand from a backpack in the crowd so that they don't have to pay any of those, uh, fees afterwards and shit. I mean, I'll tell you this much. I yeah. know people that do run booths yeah. and also have that. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Tech nine. Yeah, oh yeah, exactly. That's what I was talking Tech about. Tech Nine has two merch sellers that are going through, walking the line, right? Exactly. With backpacks full of CDs. Yeah. So then they don't have to fucking break bread afterwards, which yeah. is very smart. Very. Tech Nine very, is a goddamn genius. That's another place where I learned a lot from. You worked for Tech Nine? No, or? I went uh, on tour though with him. Merce, uh, Merce oh yeah, Merce and up, Tech. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that was like the longest tour I've ever been on. Yeah. And that was, I mean, dude, those dudes are so on point. Yeah. Oh, they don't run it like it's an independent rap thing and they run it like it's a goddamn corporation and it works so well, it seems like. Yeah, and nobody realizes how strong their following is. Oh, huge. Like, you want to talk about people that, like, make, like, crazy money and, like, have, like, a crazy cult fan base? Tech Nine. Strange music. You know, I didn't realize the scope of Tech Nine's power until... uh, Actually, with Verbs at, at um, Paid Dues one year, I think uh-huh. in 2009, like te- it was the first year that Tech Nine played it. We were there early because Verbs is going on super early. And so I see Tech Nine walking around. He's just like this little fella, and, but he's got a very intimidating demeanor. He got a mean face. You know yeah. what I'm saying? My brother is like a huge fan of him, and he lives in huge Alaska. Fan of, Tech Nine. of Tech Nine. Loves Tech Nine. And so I walk up to him and I just say, Hey, man, my brother's birthday was yesterday, and he lives in Alaska. Would you talk to him on the phone? Right. And he's like, Huge smile lit up. Oh yeah, man, no problem. I give him the phone, dude, and he talks to my brother for like five minutes, just straight, all talking awesome. crazy jive. Like, hey, what's up, Steven, Man, I'm just out here kicking it like a donkey, you know? Da, 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 da. Like, just, <laughs> like him talking at him. That's tight. It was so tight, and I got the phone back from my brother, and he was like fucking dumbfounded, dude. He's like, uh, uh, and I'm like, yo, Steve, I'm back on the phone. He's like, oh my god, dude, I was so nervous, I didn't even say anything, <laughs> and I was like, that I was cracking. That's, up. Awesome. Yeah. That's why Tech Nine's tight. Such a nice dude. He does shit like like that. looks out for his fans, dude. Yes. Like straight fully, up, fully, yeah, fully. Yeah. So that's where I learned a lot of stuff from, say, merch-wise, too. Yeah. At that time, I mean, that was late, a couple years later after I had started working for the Legends. Yeah, so you get on the tour with the Legends and you just click with all of them? Like, yeah, I was just click. Well, I clicked mainly with Lucky, Grouch, and then 
Merce following yeah. after that. Yeah. Merce didn't like me at first, but I don't. Merce doesn't like anybody at first. No, but then he realized like how hard I work and, and that, that's how the, much I, I was into, how much I idolize him. I think that's what's always with Merce is like he doesn't like anybody at first, and then when he realizes you're really about it, then he'll then he'll like show respect for afterwards. Sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Which, which is, is I, good. I, it's good to have. A, it's good to be protected about your shit. You exactly. Know? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I you know learned a couple things from him as well. So right. So uh, after your first Legends tour, like you get brought more into the team. Yeah. Okay. So it was more at that time at the cla- at the when the classic album came out, mm-hmm. they kind of were fizzling out as a crew. Mm-hmm. So then it turned into like it would be like all right, legends tours, or after the classic tour it was like legend shows here and there, and mm-hmm. then it was like Zion and Grouch, and then it was Grouch and Eli, and mm-hmm. then it was Grouch, and then it was like full time assistant for Grouch, mm-hmm. and then Grouch taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. Lucky actually taught me a lot too. They all taught me like Merce, Grouch, and Lucky all taught me different things. Mm-hmm. To be perfectly honest with mm-hmm. you, Merz taught me how to like hustle super hard. Grouch kind of taught me how to be like a fair, nice guy and like be respectful to everyone and mm-hmm. be open minded. Mm-hmm. And Tommy taught me how to be like smooth and cool and and hustle. Mm-hmm. And so all those fools really put me on. Like mm-hmm. to be honest with you, I, I owe a lot to the Living Legends. Right. I remember when you started touring with Morris, uh, with Merce, I mean, because uh, Verbs went on the road with you guys, too, yes. right? That was right around the time that Verbs and I made the Buzz EP. And, I, like, yeah, I was like, damn, fucking Verbs and Brick are fucking on right now. Because they're, <laughs> I'm like, they're touring with Verbs. Their shit is on, yeah. dog. Yeah, yeah. Was, at that t- I mean, dude, like I said, I n- I'm never too good for underground. That shit helped me out a yeah. lot. Yeah, man. for like, sure. Like, it, it guided me. The music taught me a lot. It formed me and I, I personally think it formed me into who I am. Yeah. Whether it was like listening to like weird LP records or weird atmosphere records or like being on my Cali shit and listening to Hyro and Legends mm-hmm. and you know, learning about stuff. Like I got sunned so many times for not knowing about freestyle fellowship and that type of stuff. But like they sunned me but like taught me. Yeah. So it was like a cool, humbling, weird intimidating well i've always felt like we're right on that age group where we're right on the line where maybe freestyle fellowship was like just too early for us meaning like we've heard everybody that they inspired right and so it's hard to go back and listen to and the, get into it yeah it's hard to go back and listen to like because you've heard what it became afterwards exactly you know what i mean no fully yeah fully. yeah um so you know did you instantly fall in love with the road life yes yeah still am why what do you love about it? Because I go from like point A or like random spot to random spot and I like make friends mm-hmm. that like some people I've, whether it's like people at the venues, girls, homies in cities, um, like clothing stores, like brands in other, in other cities, like press people, whatever. I may, I like, I can go around the world now and I have people everywhere. Yeah. And to me, like, that's like. I don't know, dude, like just growing up and watching the underground hip hop culture and the way that a lot of those guys were moving around. I just wanted to be like I saw the photos. So like I wanted to be a part of I wanted to go to that venue that they talked about in that song. I wanted to go to that city where they talked about cute girls being. I wanted to, you know, uh, see these things. Yeah. Like, you know, even down to like old photographer, like hip hop photographers that I liked. I I would like see these these like moments. Yeah. And I was like, I just got to be there. I got to be there. I got to do that, you know, without turning into the roadie. Yeah. Because I pride myself in not being like a roadie, dude. I think it's cool that you say like meeting new friends because I think like you're like the definition of like a connector, dude, as Gladwell would say, like you, that's, that's, you uh, are a fucking friend collector. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like, you know, everybody and everybody knows you is how I feel. You know what I'm saying? Which mm-hmm. is tight. And like, you're very good at making friends with people. Do you know, do you realize that? Like, or do you, was there a point in life where you think looking back where maybe you found that out about yourself? It sounds really cliche yeah. to, to bring up the Gladwell thing, but like my pops would be like, he 
you'd be like, dude, that's what you are. You're a dot connector. Yeah, absolutely. So like I read that book when the tipping point came out and then like, I always was like, kind of like, all right, look without being okay. In the last couple of years, I've kind of turned myself into a little bit more of a creative, but without being an artist and then being involved with it, there's a way to bring people together. Yeah. And it's always, I feel like it's always the combination collector, or I mean, a connector and Maven. You know what I'm saying? Like, because you have to be an expert about something. What is it? I don't know the really Ma- what Maven. Maven was, was like the the person that's like an expert and like studies up on things. And like, uh, whether it's somebody who's like good at shopping and goes, oh, you're buying a camera? Well, you should look at this camera instead. Right. Okay. It's like someone that gathers information and then is they able to spread it to people. It, yeah. yeah. And so that's the thing is like being a Maven about music and then also being a connector, it's like you're able to fucking connect the dots between like oh hey you make this type music and you do this like you guys should meet each other you'd like each other like right. i know both of you you right. know yeah 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 so yeah so that was that was uh you know it was like being a part of that world and like becoming involved with it from uh i don't know like an outsider but like business i've always always wanted to be like the business or like behind the scenes mm-hmm. like that that's always been the appeal to me like for the appeal of you being an artist mm-hmm. and you know like performing and showing people like what you're good at mm-hmm. is I've always wanted to be like the, the like there's like certain people that like I grew up watching or got inspired by that I was like I want to be like that mm-hmm. I want to be like him or I want to be like her you know that's like someone that's inspiring me that's not like the the face right they're the they're the, the guy person. behind the guy yeah exactly yeah. I mean like that has always been like a really cool person to me whether it's a female or a dude or mm-hmm. a, you know whatever it is that those people have always been oh man, I want to be like that. Yeah. And like, I'm not afraid to admit it. Ever. Right. Right. I, I do want, there are people I want to be like, not like I want to become them, but there's like characteristics of what they do or what they let people know they're good at that. Like I'm fully down to learn from. Right. And did you spot that Chris Clancy was one of those people? Yes. Well, for, for what he was from, doing from the beginning, I mean, dude, when I met Clancy, I was working at undefeated Yeah, and he was just coming in there all the time. And, uh, just buying sneakers and yeah. he's just always like a cool humble dude and then when all the like literally i'm going to shoot the boys they were playing a show at the echo uh-huh. when our future did a show there and um we had really not like he was like brick undefeated yeah and i was like yeah what's up man long yeah. time no see and then all these things made sense yeah i was like eminem undefeated and like all these like weird things like where it was like i learned about clancy and what he did and it's like clancy's like that dude too he's like a dot connector he's always been in the world of knowing who's who's next what's cool like you know what's progressive and yeah dude it was and and like right off the jump i learned that like clancy like looks up to rick rubin and it's like who what not a better person to look up to exactly you know what i mean yeah absolutely so he's pulling a rick rubin yeah in my opinion yeah that's what clancy's doing right now for sure like Full on. Did things with like tour managing fizzle out after a certain tour uh, where you yes, had to come back? Because you they're, came back and started working for the hundreds and stuff. Yeah. Well, what happened was I went on. The, it's kind of funny how this happened, but because uh, Merce will say that this is like why I quit. But went on tour with the legends, did a bunch of stuff with Grouch, you know, was his assistant um, and then became Merce's assistant. Yeah. Um, well, in between working for the Grouch, I worked at Undefeated for a while mm-hmm. and then got hired. Became, actually became friends with Merce through working at Undefeated. Oh, again. okay. Cause he would always come in there and we went on a bunch of tours, like the tour with verbs and shit for mm-hmm. Merce for president. Mm-hmm. And then we went on that tour with tech nine. And then after that tour in tech nine, I was like, yo dude, I'm going to go on vacation with my pops. Mm-hmm. And I went to Italy with my dad. And then I came back from Italy and I was like, uh, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. Merce. Why? 
at that time was when I started taking photos. Yeah. I was, did Italy inspire you to pick up a camera? Uh, I started shooting while I was out there. Mm-hmm. Like I was like just buying disposables. Yeah. And then, um, and then I bought a camera, like a, a point and shoot 35. And I just didn't want to work for the living legends anymore. I didn't want to like continue to basically, I mean, I know you'll feel me, but it's like continue to stay in the underground world. Right. That wasn't really without, without being rude to the guys. And I know they won't take this. Person. There's a ceiling there. There was a ceiling there and it wasn't being progressive. Right. It wasn't like, and I'm not comparing them to that, but like, look at what, how rhyme Cyrus has continued to progress. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't being a part of something like that. Mm-hmm. So I started shooting and stopped working for Merce and was in desperate need of money. Mm-hmm. And there's a promoter in Lake Tahoe named Late Night Billy. And Late Night Billy was working for Girls Gone Wild. Oh, no shit. Yeah. yeah. And he told Brad, who's Grouch's brother, who also works with me at uh, Four Strikes, yeah. that Girls Gone Wild was looking for tour managers. No shit. So um, I hit the road. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's... I, did, I did like six months with Girls Gone Wild. <laughs> really? After the after the Merce for President tour? No, no, no. Oh, after yeah. the Tech 9 tour. After the Tech so 9 I worked tour. for Merce for like a good like year and a half, yeah. almost two years. Yeah, yeah. And then I told Merce, I was like, yo, I'm, I'm done, dude. Like yeah. nothing personal. I was like, I just got to figure some shit out for myself. Yeah. And then... Uh, so what was the Girls Gone Wild tour like? Insane, dude. And it was like, <laughs> it was fucked up because it was like they told me, they, Late Night Billy, who's like a promoter who I think he still works for... Uh, girls gone wild. Yeah, he was like, dude, they pay you so much, like you know, a crazy day rate. Yeah, five star hotel rooms every day, and he was like, and you're just peeling all day. And I was like, this kind of sounds crazy. Like yeah. I'm kind of low key into it, and I needed money because mm-hmm. I wasn't working. Right, I was almost like on like a too cool for school thing, mm-hmm. and. And then I went on tour with Girls Gone Wild, dude, and it was, like, wild. I was, like, a tour manager for, like, four drunk camera guys. So we'd go into a venue. You'd set up a banner. There'd be a DJ. We'd hold, like, a wet T-shirt contest, try and wrangle girls onto the bus. Yeah. And then the camera guys film scenes. And then I was the guy who was, like, making sure that girls weren't drunk on the bus, making sure that they're of age, doing their uh, clearances on camera. Like, I'm Susie Q. I'm 18 years old. I'm aware of what I'm doing. Um, I'm about to be on Girls Gone Wild. And then they would just sit there and, and diddle go, themselves. And then, well, no, and then there's like the back room, and then yeah. yeah, and then you're supposed to get a scene. That's crazy. Yeah, it was wild. That is so crazy. Wild, super wild. And you did that for six months. I did that for six months. Like often, like I would go on like a month. So run. what was the craziest city on Girls Got Wild? Colum- <laughs> Col- uh, I will tell you, Cleveland, Ohio, dude. There was like we got like Cleveland? twenty girls. Uh, we filmed probably like fifteen, twenty scenes. Cleveland, that night. Ohio, no dude. Shit. It was like baddies, though, dude. Like really? ridiculous. I probably really shouldn't be saying this, but like I have like an, a gnarly Polaroid collection of like just porno shit yeah it looks like some 70s porno shit that's from, awesome that i will put out one did day did you make so. some good connect i don't know if you have a lady right now so i'm not trying to make i you don't put, have a girlfriend okay so i'm not trying to put you on blast or anything but did you make some good connections on that tour where like female wise yeah because the good no f- no no really those girls are like girls that shop at the mall yeah okay yeah and they're just coming there like they're like not girls that we run into yeah, in yeah. los angeles or anywhere else yeah, in yeah. any major cities they're girls that are like from the midwest or like weird podunk towns that come yeah. to girls gone wild thinking that they're gonna get famous yeah yeah. So it's like either they're like there to just get on camera and not to hook up or they're there just to hook up. Oh, no shit. Cause and, like, and, and it's not like what you picture. It's not like big booties and like oh, no, it's blonde girls. girls. It's like, whoa, yeah. rough. And yeah, then yeah. sometimes, like I said, Cleveland, Ohio, like jumped off when I was in Florida for a week for spring break. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, I believe it. But not like in like. When you're in like Utah, dude. Yeah. Like there's no there's no fine girls. Oh, I don't know. There's fine girls well, in okay, Utah. Okay, maybe not Utah, but in, you know, in Salt Lake, but they're very they're chaste. They're C H A S T E chaste. Exactly. You know they're not easy to come by. Yeah, well that's funny because like one of my things that I like about touring is like I feel like I'll uh, you meet girls in other cities that can become like those kind of like long term in the pockets where it's like, Oh, if I'm gonna be in town, I'll see you. Okay. You, you wanna know shit. how that is? Yeah. Now. 
Yeah, yeah. I believe now, it. Well, it's, now, because you're meeting, like, girls that are more, like, about that music life. Well, okay, yeah, that and also, like, I'm old enough now. Yeah. Or I'm 27 years old. Yeah, yeah. Where I can make it very clear about what it is that I'm doing and right. why I'm here. Right. So, like, it's not like I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe we could, like, maintain this, like, text relationship. Yeah. It's like I'm 27. If you want to have a good time. Yeah. We can, you can, like, I'll be in your it, city again I'm going to keep it real with you. Yeah. Like, and it's not like on some, some pimp daddy player shit because it's not like I'm out there. You mind you. Also at my at the the group that I tour with now the average age of kids at the show so, is fourteen yeah. to seventeen. So right. it's like, I'm not trying to hook up with a girl that's my sister's age. Right. So like when you see a girl that is your age with potential, it's like you know that that it's that's something that could that yeah. That could and now it's like even more because of like I said or like you're saying the people who I tour with. Yeah. Now. So it's like a little bit more of an appeal. Right. And I know how to deal with not how to deal with it, but it's like I've learned how to holler at girls on the road. Right. And have a good time. Yeah. Like very well. Absolutely. Like there's a, in, there's a method it's, to that It's just madness. by keeping it a hundred. You fully yeah. being honest with women on tour. Being honest with women in general. In general. Yes. That is something that most, I think most guys, they, they, just, they front so much. They don't realize oh. that if you're like, Hey, look girl, I am here and I want to make out with you. Like, let's do that. Beautiful. Like, yeah. Exactly. Like I'm only here for six more hours, <laughs> but like, I want to experience you. Even like, in they're yeah. down. Yeah. So after undefeated, uh, when girls did, gone wild. Yeah, then girls gone wild. And so when you get off tour with girls gone wild, like is life just a fucking jumble? Dark. Or I could imagine dark. Yeah. Real dark. Well, times. Cause it, I mean, I would imagine like having a schedule like that, but also being involved in wild shit every night when you get home and but now like there's women, like the appeal of like, we, not the appeal, but like weird interactions with women will take you into a weird place. Yeah. Where did like, you get, did you have like just, some weird misogyny chauvinist no, thing? It was just like, I mean, sure, maybe, but it was just more just like, you know, like, Oh, like, do I really want to be like going out on the road all the time, hooking up with chicks? Like, is this like, you know, am I just like doing that, guy, that tour guy thing and like not having a girlfriend ever? And, mm -hmm. you know, it was just like meeting girls and maintaining weird text relationships or email relationships that are just mm -hmm. like they run. They, there's a point where they, they run the course. Yeah, they run the course. It's like you can only say so many things. Right. And it eventually gets boring getting the same titty picture over and over. All the time. Yeah. All the time. You know what I mean? And then like. And then you meet another one that you're like, wait, this one's better than the last. Exactly. One. <laughs> yeah. dude. And so then you turn into that guy. Right. right. And like, I didn't want to be that guy. Right. Or like that, like kind of like thinking i'm like player but it's not even really that yeah, player. yeah. so that, then, you just like have a bunch of text relationships that yeah. you're dealing with and it's right. like this is so stupid absolutely like, it's better to be real with these people and like actually go and hang out with them and yeah. instead of like i've done this so many times like make plans with a chick and then get to the city and be like fuck yeah oh oh you are you have to babysit tonight your your niece oh that sucks yeah or me bailing on something yeah. because i get like weirded out mm. or like you know like uncomfortable with it or something like right that. but so that happened I went through like a little weird dark phase. Then me and my homie Skeet, who was like on a break from touring as well, we decided to start throwing like parties at this spot on Beverly. We yeah. like rented out a space, tried to throw a bunch of parties. Yeah. And that didn't really work out. And in that time, that's when I found out about Odd Future. Uh-huh. And, and, and Skeet, he's referring to DJ Skeet Skeet. Yeah, who, Trevor. Who lives was, who lives in normal with No, you. no, no, no. no he didn't live in normal? No, he did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's how normal started. At the time. Because we've talked about normal on here with Bogo and Alex yeah, before, yeah, yeah. so that's what normal started. The true OGs are me and Skeet. That's okay. what it was. Yeah, yeah, it was us. We moved there and were there for a long time. Yeah, I still am there. Are honest. you still there? Yeah, I'm still there. Nice. So you start throwing an event. What was we it started called? Uh, Mega. Uh -huh. So we started throwing a party on like Trevor threw Trevor threw an epic party years ago with Lil B at yeah. Freak City, uh -huh. and it was like titled Mega. Uh -huh. And so we he, he had this ill sponsorship from like this like weird. 
I forget what it was. Like some company. Where did you guys used to throw that? I think I went a few times. You did come yeah, here. I'm pretty I sure remember. it was on Beverly by like across the street from Medusa. Like a little ass bar, right? Yeah, it was a little ass bar and yeah, we were just like yeah, serving like yeah, those bullshit. Were fun. Those yeah, fun. so we tried to do that. We tried, we were trying to, what we were trying to actually do and people, if people know, there's like the, uh, like a club in New York. I forget exactly what it's called, but it was like, it was like, it felt like a house inside of it. So we tried to like paint it mm. and put couches and make it feel like it was a home inside. Mm. And so we did that for probably like six months. Mm. And in that time, I had met Odd Future, mm-hmm. and um, it was literally like, like I said, Skeet told me about them. We were throwing parties. The parties didn't work. We got rid of the space. And we didn't even get rid of the space. Skeet had told me we were up in San Francisco. Skeet had told me about Odd Future mm-hmm. or Tyler. I watched Tyler's videos, and then I saw Tyler on the block one day, and I was like, "Yo, you guys should just come to the warehouse." When did you start working out the hundreds? That was in between. Okay, so Girls Gone Wild started throwing parties with Skeet at that yeah. space. And then before I even, before I, I had been working with Odd Future before I got hired by the hundreds. Oh, no shit. I didn't Well, know taking that. photos. Yeah, yeah. So it was in like October. Oh, so you were fucking mega early then. Like you were way earlier. That, that must have been in what? Uh, you, you met them in 2009 then? 2010. 2010. I started shooting them in 2010. What month? October. Remember? No shit. Yeah. Okay. October of two. That's when I first did my first photo shoot with them. Oh, crazy. So it was like they played Low End Theory. Yeah. When Daddy Kev booked them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. And I had met them like a week before that. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, yo, Tyler, yo, I was like, you can do whatever you want. Just come to my warehouse and just come skate. Okay. I was like, I, I'm not trying to do anything. Just come to my warehouse. And he was like, all right, whatever, dude. Played Low End Theory. Yeah. At Low End Theory, Tyler tried to buy a jersey off me. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I'm not going to give you. Or I was like, you can't buy this jersey off me, but I knew at the time how much of a, like, a, like it was like, they didn't fuck with anyone. Mm-hmm. It was like, they were like, fuck everyone. We don't do anything with anyone. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to give this little kid my jersey. I'm going to get a photo shoot. Mm-hmm. And so I gave him my jersey. And, we and that was the shoot. one where you guys like spray painted the shit. That was when they came, that, that place where they spray painted yeah. was in a warehouse. Yeah, I remember So that. I brought them over there. I, I still want to like talk about the hundreds though, because I feel like, was Bobby like a uh, an influence on you at all? Because you were, you were doing the blog. The hundreds, I mean, the, dude, like the hundreds has always been like a, all those dudes. You were, ben, yeah, you were ben, like Bobby, Scotty, you like got Switch. You, you were like, responsible for the Little B collaboration. Yes, I did do the like Little B collaboration. You were doing shit at, at the hundreds. Well, that's what happened. Okay, so look, I shot Odd Future. Okay, yeah. that definitely put me on as a photographer, if that makes sense. Right. Okay? Because I knew I was literally just blogging before that, like on my Tumblr. I was like just going hard on Polaroid. Just go. I mean, dude, I have Polaroids of you from 2010. That right. You, you know what I mean? Like yeah. photos of you in a. Uh, at Gaslamp Killers album release show in a Larry Johnson jersey. Oh, like, I got photos, of, you know, of, yeah. of the homies. So that's what yeah. my my whole thing was. I was like, I'm gonna go out and shoot faces. Uh-huh. So people that I like though, yeah. because people like the Cobra Snake and Ronnie's photo booth, which are my homies, yeah. were not doing the hip hop world. Right? No, if you think about it, no one was documenting rap and hip hop. Absolutely, nobody. Right. So that was my whole thing, dude. I have ill photos of like Daddy Kev in like LP yeah. when LP played at Low End Theory, like Weird Flying Lotus and Theophilus London at Hard Festival, like Gas Lamp, like all these things that people that I was into. So I started shooting all that stuff, knew that Odd Future was going to, you know, that they needed some pull, did that shoot with them and then got hired by the hundreds because okay. I didn't have any work. Okay. So through the hundreds, knowing that I like worked with Odd Future, I was kind of like doing my photography thing. I had my, my little Tumblr blog popping kind of. Uh-huh. And then, um, then the hundreds gave me a blog. Yeah. And then that's where I would do like, I was blogging odd future on my Tumblr uh-huh. on bricksellwell.com. And then I would do like my life on the hundreds. Right. So it was like anything that like I didn't like, it w- I would try and shoot 
stuff that other people would want to see, not like just stuff that I would like. Right. But it was just stuff that I would like. So I would go around shooting. What was the initial inspiration with like going analog as far as uh, shooting film on I had like a little happy snap cameras? Because I had a conversation with my dad where it was all about supply and demand. What uh -huh. do you give? What is that? Everyone wants stuff that people don't have. Okay. And I'm, everyone, like photographers nowadays, they always give me shit. And it's just like, it's like, dude, I'm just like telling you how it is, whether or not you shot film three years ago or five years ago. I don't I don't care what you say. But at that moment in time, everyone was just shooting digi. digital right? They had the SLRs. It was like and it all looked the same. It's like nightlife photography. So yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to sh shoot film. I'm just yeah. going to do that. I, mean, right. I started out with the disposable and then I went and bought a uh, ill uh, like a mini Lux at Sammy's. Yeah, I had those on deck at that time right. and was shooting with that and then bought a Yashica. And then what yeah. are you shooting with now? Nowadays? I have three cameras that I'm shooting with now. It's like uh, a um, Contax T3, a Contax T2, or a four, my Yashica T4. And then I found this like ill, like panoramic camera that like I'm obsessed with. Oh, nice. That yeah. everyone's like, whenever I post it, people are like, oh, what are these film skills? Yeah, pano cameras are sick. They're sick. So, yeah. So you shoot out future, get hired by the hundreds. Get hired by the hundreds, start blogging for the hundreds. Ashley Nichols, who's like a close homie of mine, who is like uh, been in the rap world for a long time. He worked for Jay Z. He worked for did entertainment marketing at Supra, and then was working at the Hundreds. He's uh -huh. like a close homie of mine. Yeah. So him and I were working together, and like I fucked with Ben and Bobby, super tough. Like you know, like yeah. I like the, those dudes are cool. Yeah. I fuck with those dudes. Yeah. yeah. And um, they were like, you can help Ashley out with certain projects, you know. Uh -huh. So like little B, the little B thing, for example. Right. Uh, I flew up to the Bay. First off, I flew up to the Bay to go to a Mac Miller show because they wanted me to get have Mac Miller wear a hundreds hat that was like a Pittsburgh colorway. Uh -huh. So I, I hit up Anwar because Casey was opening up for Mac at Slim's. Uh -huh. And I went over there, got the photo, found out that Lil B was playing at Hayward's Prom. No shit. So I went to the concert because yeah. uh, Stretch, like Creation's manager. Creation's manager, yeah. Yeah, is homies with Mr. Fab and Mr. Fab is homies with the Grouch. And so I hit up Brad, Grouch's little brother. And just, you know, there you go. Dot that, the mind, the mind that, of a connector That's right a there. dot connect that right was, there. That you was a fucking saying? blueprint right yeah, there. Yeah, there it yeah. is. Legit. Yeah, yeah. You just hit up people who know people. That's exactly what I do with this because I'm like, oh, wait, how do how, who do I know that can get this person on? Well, I know they're fucking whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, and that's it's exactly key what you to do. hit up the, yeah. the right person. You Absolutely. Because you, you don't hit up the wrong person. You can't jump the ladder. Exactly. You can't jump the ladder. I fully agree with yeah, you. You so. got to hit the right person at the right time that's going to hook you up. And that will fuck with you. Yeah, exactly. You know? And that will paint the right picture for it too. Exactly. So you managed to get into the little b show so got in the little b show started talking to his manager yeah. sebastian who's a really really cool dude yeah like works like did like works with like lee scratch perry and stuff like oh, that tight. like ill super rare weird kooky dude but like really on point and met up with him and was like yo the hundreds want to do a collaboration with Lil b and he was like you know what i'm down because you guys only do they, the hundreds only do like weird rare collaborations which some would say is true and some would say it's not but right. yeah and Lil b flew down to la we made him a capsule collection for Coachella. Uh -huh. um, we rented him a house at Coachella. I stayed with Lil B in Palm Springs for a weekend, which was a, one of the most craziest experiences ever. That's tight. Because he's just a weird, weird dude. Yeah. Legit. He is. <laughs> he's very calm and quiet and keeps yeah. to himself. Yeah. And yeah, that, I was just doing projects. I was like yeah. hustling to get down with the hundreds, knowing that like that's a good relationship to build. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Like I had been working with them in the past with Alexander Spit, you know, right. like went was always trying to like work with the hundreds in some sort of capacity because I had relationships with them. Right, right. And so then worked for them for a while and then But then the odd future thing really starts to take off. You no, know, the odd future thing really jumped in for me like, personally. Really took off. Like really took off. And so how does it go from I'm this dude that's photographing them occasionally to like I'm a part of the team? What is the process? This is, this is exactly how it went down. They went on an East Coast tour. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I flew myself out, paid for my own hotel rooms, mm-hmm. and just documented it, and mm-hmm. then just kept documenting it. And then Kelly hit me up one day. Yeah. And Kelly said, "Hey, yo, do you want to shoot the crew for Bape?" And I was like, "Hell yeah, I do!" Like, right. I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? This is so tight." She was like, "We got a budget, the whole nine. And that was another one of those moments where I was like, "Yo, Brick, you got to step up to the plate and make this happen. This is like a legit photo shoot, like mm-hmm. magazine." you know, legit, like, cover, like, you can't fuck up. So mm-hmm. I, like, got all the necessary tools, rented a studio, the whole nine. What and did you shoot it with? Film? Um, yeah, Mamiya medium format, like, 647. Oh, tight. Yeah, it was, like, my, Strobes and everything? Yeah, I had it all set up. My homie Doug Chung, who's, like, ill, like, artsy photographer dude that, like, Doug, 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 no shit. Yeah, look, Doug is the man. First really? off, yeah, Doug, no, I know. Doug, Doug is the truth. I like, love Doug. Yeah, he's the homie. He like knows what's up. Like, yeah. I went. Doug went on tour with me and Verbs. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. He was uh, Mercer's videographer. No shit. So I've been knowing Doug. Doug's yeah, the yeah. homie, and so Doug helped me out with that shoot. He like literally, like probably like legit, technically like made that shoot happen. Yeah, but like you know, sometimes that's just how it goes. Yeah, People absolutely. work together. You oh know? well, yeah. I mean. On major shoots, photographers rarely light the shit for themselves anyways. Exactly. So Doug just threw me the alley. You know what I mean? Helped me out. And he got to work on a cool project. Yeah, tight. But while we were doing the shoot, uh, Kelly and Chris were like, yeah, like we're doing hard festival tomorrow. And like we don't have anyone like running point. Mm -hmm. And I was like, let me run point. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'll do everything. I'll drive. I'll pick you guys up. You know, I'll make sure that they get on stage on time. I'll do I'll do everything. I was Mm -hmm. like, let me just let me TM for Mm -hmm. the day. And they were like, all right, trial period. Nice. And so I killed it. See, I love that. Like, I knew, I had heard that story before that you, like, flew yourself out to document. And I just, I love that, like, um, you were inspired enough to put some skin in the game on your own fucking dime. And I think most people aren't willing to do that nowadays. Do you know what I'm saying? You have to do that. You have to do that. You have to fucking put in the work. You know what I'm saying? And and, and once people that. see that you're putting in the work, good things will happen. Yeah, of, of, I couldn't agree with you more. And that's exactly how it worked out. Yeah. For me. And so uh, you're the point man for the hard fest and you, t- and you TM for the day and it goes swimmingly. Yeah, it went great. And so then what? From that moment, that's I, I remember I had like a ill meeting with like Chris and Kelly and Palmer, the guy who runs their merchandise. Right. And I kind of got hired by all of them. Mm-hmm. And then um, what was the initial like? Was there a title for your position at first? No, not really. I was just working for Four Strikes Management. It's just like something like, you had to grow. You had to grow in and see like kind of what I was supposed to be doing. I right. like I, I let them know right off the bat. And I think they took that and gave it to me. And I pre- like Chris and Kelly Clancy are some of the coolest people I've ever worked for in my life, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Like they, it's I couldn't ask for better bosses. Mm-hmm. They give me so much room to do what I want to do give me opportunities and also like help guide you through those things you know what I mean and they don't do it in like a baby like they don't pamper you they like it's kind of like you know this is how it goes this is how it's going to be and it's not like a militant thing but it's really it's it's good you know through their experience through working through major labels and shit they've kind of formed their own little world right so it was like a a weird thing of working for them but I I told them right off the bat I was like you know I want to be I was like I want to leave the hundreds and do something progressive I don't want to just turn into a yes man yeah so I think when I said that initially they kind of took that seriously and like not like I was like I don't want to be a yes man but I was like I want to do more you know and so like I said in the beginning of the interview they kind of let me turn myself into something that I want to be right that I'm passionate about you know which is like documenting the tour going on the road and like being a part of a movement yeah and so that was very very you know cool and like interesting and all all you know exciting all at the same time really like super exciting are you living the dream like low-key yeah in my opinion yeah it won't be for that much like if you if you like and it's not the dream in the sense of like 
money everywhere and like gold and all that stuff. But it's like the dream of like what, happiness. Uh, what you're, yeah, what you're passionate about. And that's what that, people only chase money because they think it'll make them happy. But the point exactly. is that if you are happy, like, you know, the money, like it, it, the money is secondary. Dude, Intuition, bro. You know, you can call me Lee. I, li- I like calling you Intuition. Now <laughs> I have you in my phone as Intuition. Really, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. Okay, it's like you know what the like the dream of is is of like being like a touring guy. Yeah, like, yeah, on like sure. the road, and it's like I, it's not like I'm living the dream, but it's like I've had moments that are like so bucket list in hip hop. Yeah, that it's like, dude, I can't ask for that much more. Yeah. I turned myself into an ill photographer. Yeah, like being someone that i want the like there's photographers that have documented like movements in the past yeah that, like i'm so, that like i know i already am very similar to them right for like a certain time period right well like when you look at somebody like jonathan Mannion's career and like how how he was there during the golden era kind of and like documenting like if you guys don't know who jonathan Mannion is look him up his work is fucking Super crazy OG. but it's like this very poignant moment in time from the fucking mid 90s when he was like everywhere documenting every huge rapper and, and it was a it was a very stylistic thing like right. you could you could spot jonathan man work and i feel like looking at your work now you can spot brickstall work and you, right. and, and you know that it's a brickstall photo and, and also you are there for something that people are going to look back on in 15 years and be like oh that was a that was a fucking thing you well, know what i mean that that's that's where i'm at with yeah, it. yeah that's really is, is yeah. the whole thing is like i i'm following a, or documenting a movement mm-hmm. or a time period that will be covered so detailed and so like for such a long period of time that that's i mean there's just certain photographers that i look up to whether or not they're successful it to other people or not you know what i mean ricky powell with the beastie boys and run dmc Mm -hmm. craig friedman with like you know la punk bands and like ice t and like body count and stuff Mm -hmm. like that uh dan monick with atmosphere Mm -hmm. oh yeah dan monick's ill like that book that book seven is like i look at that book every day yeah my homegirl was assisting for dan monick for a while yeah like i I got to the instant messengers alex's old group we got to do a photo shoot with dan monick back in the day and that was like oh like those guys to me are like so cool yeah yeah like those dudes are the ones that like were like all right my homies are doing something right might as well document it right right like whether or not people like those photographers or not but like for me as like something to base things off of it was like very easy because it's like oh it's like analog film rap hip-hop now I work with a punk band that's pretty relevant. Making sure that a scene that was fucking influencing was being sure to be remembered. In exactly, history. dude. Like, I'm not worried about the photo show right now. Right. I'm not worried about making a photo tee. In like right. 50, 30, 25 years when I'm like the old, old guy. Yeah. Then I can flex on everyone. Yeah. What do you want to be doing in 25 years when you're the old guy? Uh, Chilling. Like, I call it like other people I know, like not like have a stressful life mm-hmm. and still be involved somewhat in some capacity of music whether mm-hmm. it's like own, owning a music venue or you know yeah. being like a promoter guy at like a festival or be involved in music somehow yeah that's, i don't know what capacity and, and that, that's my question because i know i know you and i are similar in that we're probably never satisfied you know what I mean? it's yes. always like it's like what's the next thing it's like okay cool we're fucking accomplishing this now what can i do next it's, not that uh you are thinking of moving next anywhere anytime soon but like w- what would be the ultimate dream for you you know what i'm saying like right now what the ultimate dream is uh, to be honest with you, is to take this job that I have right now and somehow parlay it into me being more of like a bigger creative. Mm-hmm. So I want to become not necessarily like like maybe an ad agency or something. Something, dude. I yeah. don't know, like a consulting for yeah. like brands yeah. or artists or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. You know, like guiding people to help them know. Like not, I don't know. What's cool about the photography thing right now is that I could do that when I'm older. Yeah. But I also don't want to be like a photographer. Right. 
if that makes sense. Yeah, it's you know? a thing that you do. It's not like what you... It's something I'm passionate about. Yeah, yeah. And, and as soon as you start fucking making money off of it, like real money off of it, that's or your... like relying that, on yeah, it. Yeah, as soon as you're relying on it, that's when it's not... You're not passionate about it anymore. I'm sh- I, I can yeah. only imagine. Absolutely. So, so I, it's more parlaying this gig right now. Yeah. And, ri- and to be honest with you, I'm going to ride this one out as long as I can. Yeah, you know? as you should. It's seriously, as long as I can. And that will parlay and do something else. Just like gigs in the past how they have i didn't think i was going to be working for some group called odd future when i was working for the living legends right i didn't even know who they were right i didn't think i was gonna be taking photos but that's like the best part about like living in hollywood and living in la is like if you're not like i'm gonna be this then you can like guide yourself in this weird kind of like crazy life that everyone lives in la and hollywood yeah and kind of like you choose your own destiny dude like Absolutely. LA is the land of fucking opportunity. There's when people, I hate when people come to LA and they're like, there's nothing going on here. I can't figure it out for myself. Like quit relying on That's everyone, crazy. dude. Yeah. Like quit not like the LA is where you hustle and like bust your ass and like make a name for yourself. It's so easy to do it. Not like so easy, but it's so easy to go. Like it's not easy, but it is doable is the thing because your path has not been easy and and you shouldn't sell yourself short by saying that because the theme of this podcast is if you fucking work hard good things will happen that's okay that's the better way to put it that's it's not easy in la but if you come here and you fucking work hard shit happens and the the harder you work the luckier you get exactly you know what what you just said makes the most sense the harder you work the luckier you get not not the harder you work the easier shit comes along yeah i guess i shouldn't say it's so easy to make a name for yourself yeah what you got to do is how hard you work Mm -hmm. is how you will make a name for yourself Mm -hmm. so bitter salty people that both of you and i both know that Mm -hmm. we deal with on a daily basis the reason why they're that way in los angeles is because they're envious and jealous of other people and when you protrude negativity people don't want to be around you and i I learned that the hard way because i really have like in the last few years, I've tried to like come around and, and make myself a nicer person because I, yeah, I feel like I was uh, portraying negativity. And as soon as I did like turn that shit around, yeah, better things have started happening. That's all there is to it. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, anyhow, I think that's a good way place to end. We've done it. We've done a little more over than an hour. And, uh, I thought that was awesome. It's a great right. story. It's great to hear where it all came from. And I hope that, uh, kids listening were inspired by it because the proof is in the pudding. Like if you do work hard, good things will happen and that's good things exactly are happening for is. you. So without further ado, tell the people where they can find you online. I know you're kind of tough to find online right now. You kind of erased your identity from the internet for a while. I like to keep it kind of low key. Yeah. I have like my Instagram, which is just my name, Brick Stowell. Which you're like killing the Instagram game, like fucking 20,000 followers or something now. Uh, <laughs> killing it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, dude, that's because of the OF, the golf wingers, dude. Those ah, little kids love that shit. That shit's tight. I mean, the photos on there are fucking tight, too. I just like to, I, I like to show, here's what it is at the end of the day. I like to show people what I'm into. And I, I like to follow it. It's awesome. Like, yeah. I think it's great all the places that you're going and, and have been and like watching what you guys are doing as a unit through your eyes is very interesting. So follow them on Instagram. And then my Tumblr. Brick Stowell is, is B-R-I-C-K-S-T-O-W-E-L-L. Correct. Brick Stowell with two L's. And then your Tumblr is BrickStowell.com. Yeah, just BrickStowell.com. Yeah, man. Brick, I appreciate you coming in. Thank you, man. I yeah. really appreciate it. Most it's, definitely. It's good. We've known each other for a long time. Yeah, so I'm cool glad that we were it. finally able to organize this because you're a man about the world. Not, I was going to say a man about town, but you're a man about the world. You're never here. So my name is Lee. Uh, you guys might know me as Intuition. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. Uh, you can follow my man behind the boards, Ben Shim, making it sound buttery. Yeah. At I am database, based with two S's. Follow us as a unit. 
at that's kind of neat and uh, youtube.com slash that's kind of neat. And then, of course, you can find everything on kind of neat.net. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. I, ha- I saw some like YouTube comment the other day where a kid was like, Oh, I've been waiting for a new interview for two weeks because I didn't, because you guys didn't put out a video. But the point is, if you subscribe on iTunes, you would know that every Wednesday we put out a new episode. So, thank you guys for tuning in. This is my man Brick. Yep, yep. And this was kind of neat. Awesome.